When we left off in our last program, we saw a necessary event that's little considered in the church these days, an event that would begin the final three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, a now event that would abruptly remove the Satan from the heavens to take up an unrestrained residence in a man, a man of flesh and blood, who most recently was healed of a deadly wound, only to emerge as the man of sin the one we'll know as the Antichrist. A supernatural event for the world to see as now, and there's the key word, now he enters the temple to declare himself to be God. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and I welcome you to the program today. Glad you could be with us. This is a a bit of a continuation of our study while introducing some elements of Daniel and the prophetic scriptures that are frequently out of the mainstream a bit. But our ultimate goal here is to emphasize the role of prevailing prayer and its role in the travailing church. So what is travailing prayer we we speak so much about? 16th chapter of the Gospel of John. I say to you that you shall weep and lament. That's travail. But the world shall rejoice. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. She's about to give birth. True intercessors will have the spirit of travail come upon them. This is one of the keys that will bring the kingdom of God to the earth. We weep and cry over the conditions of the world while petitioning God at the same time and and declaring, Your kingdom come. It breaks something in the Spirit so that answer can come. I don't believe there's a a book in the Bible subject to more controversy than the book of Daniel. Scholars have argued over time that the writing of Daniel, generally because of the extraordinary accuracy of the book, is kind of, this is just too right on to be true. Therefore, these scholars use this to claim or discredit the study of prophecy altogether. You know, we can't let this amazing prophecy move us from seeing its literal application, especially in relationship to the nation of Israel, the covenant people. All time is set in the absolute sovereignty of God and must be for our foundation of certainty. God does have his set times. The revelation of the prophetic absolutes must induce the church to its role as corporate intercessor. As we've seen, the abomination of desolation is the central and pivotal event on which all this turns. And I know that's a bold statement. But we must consider this is the moment in time that begins to close the door on this age. For the church to to not understand this event, it'll lack the very means God has ordained to prepare us for our witness to Israel and the nations. God is Israel-centric and has an eternal covenant with this people. I know Derek Prince once said, if you have an improper view of Israel— you'll have an improper view of the Word of God. How true that is. The point is, radical corporate intercession and travail, the the holy groanings of the saints of the body of Christ, will be absolutely necessary to bring to completion all God has determined 
will be prophetically taking place. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verse 2. And he said to them, this is Jesus, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What do you think he meant by that? I'll tell you what God means. Your prayers are divinely required to move the heavens, to eject the powers of darkness, bring about the judgments of God, and usher his people into his kingdom here on earth. Listen to Revelation 8.4. The smoke and the incense with the prayers of the saints. They rose before God from the hand of an angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Those are prayers that are kicking off those cosmic events. There's a, there's a bit more there than we imagine. Prayers. Prayers from the saints during the most critical time in history, escorted by the hand of an angel to God, only to be cast back to the earth. Answers from the Godhead to the prayers of the saints. You know, to fully grasp and understand Daniel's prophetic vision, it will be corporate prayer in the Spirit and intercession, travail and supplication, and even so come Lord Jesus type prayer that will bring Michael's eviction of Satan in the first place, which permits the final revelation of the mystery of iniquity. This position on prayer and intercession is a far cry from what many in the church have considered necessary to bring these final events that will take place and be the capstone on this age. The body of Christ has not been removed. They're still here. The Holy Spirit will respond to the cries of the intercessors on the earth, just as the prophet Daniel went before God to confess the sins of the people and fasted and prayed for 21 days before the opposing prince of Persia was removed from the hindering prophecy. In the same way, Jesus told Peter he would be taken by another where he would not have gone. The church will also follow the Lamb into a final obedience, even unto death. Listen to what the Lord told Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, when, when you've confessed your sin and turned your heart back to me, listen to what he says, Go and strengthen your brothers. I believe what Jesus is doing here with Peter is giving him a, a bad news and a good news scenario. Jesus is saying, the bad news, Satan, is that Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. The good news, <laughs> he had to ask. The bad news, I gave him permission. The good news, though, is that I prayed for you. The bad news, Peter... Everything in your life is going to go sideways. It's going to go south and seemingly fail. But the good news, I will restore you and give you a ministry. And he certainly did. I strongly suggest that in the weeks, months, and years to come, the powers of darkness, the principalities in the high places, the powers of the air will seek to sift you and me like wheat 
Like Peter, there may be some straightening ahead. Things may not go just as smoothly and as predictable as in days past. But we have a confidence, a confidence the Spirit of Christ is making intercession for us. And although things appear to be overwhelming while weathering the barrage of accusation from the powers of the air, the Lord's clear that if we continue in our divine assignment and give ourselves to prayer and intercession, in the end we'll stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And folks, that's what really matters. This will be the church's finest hour, this hour that's coming in the future, a tribulation without equal or parallel. The time of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation, as the Bible says, such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. But a church far from absent, as I said before, it's going to be here on earth, shall be a people who know their God, shall stand firm and take action. The wise among the people shall make many understand Though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand." The depths of intercession and extraordinary holiness in the church will come in in direct relation to the set times of God. Just as as Michael came to the aid of Daniel in the midst of the opposition from the prince of Persia, a principality and power of the air that hovered over a geographic region of the Middle East, it's going to be the intercessory church, fully aware of the time and season, will receive help from Michael and wisdom from the Holy Spirit. I believe we can find this corporate birth, so to speak, this awakening in the community of faith in the face of unprecedented trouble, when Michael removes Satan from the heavens. Now, stay with me here. We see in Genesis chapter 3, God confronts the serpent, the devil, after the fall in the garden. We're going to read from Genesis 3.15. And I'll put enmity, I'm going to put animosity, hostility, antagonism, and hatred. I'm going to put it between you and the woman. That's God speaking. And between your seed, Satan, and her seed, he, Jesus, shall bruise your head, and you, you, Satan, you shall bruise his heel. You know, a number of years ago, I tore an Achilles tendon playing racquetball, Uh, The healing and recovery took uh, more than a few months, but I did recover. I limped around for a while, but ultimately my physical activities have not been hindered. If I would have received a similar bruise to the head, things might not have gone quite as well, possibly suffering permanent brain damage or, or even possible death. Even so, the future bruise to the head of the serpent at the return of Jesus will ultimately prove to be very debilitating, from which there will be no speedy recovery. In fact, Satan will be confined and bound up in rehab for a thousand years. The mystery of the woman's seed, the mystery of the gospel, was initiated at the first advent of Christ, his death and his resurrection. A descendant of Eve would come forth, 
who would someday undo the damage caused by the Satan. But there awaits the, the finishing of the final mystery. That's the mystery of iniquity that can only come from the seed of the woman, Christ's bruise to the head of the serpent. I believe the imagery fulfills the mystery and ignites the spirit of travail and intercession that actually ushers in the return of Jesus. The travail of the church reveals the mystery, the forced eviction of Satan from the heavens, Revelation of the mystery of sin and ungodliness in the Antichrist means so much more than revealing who he is. His identity will be revealed well ahead of time by simple observation of his activities during the first three and a half years of the birth pains. Until the restrainer, the one who resists exposure, is removed by Michael, The Antichrist is just a man with exceptional charisma and leadership qualities with a knack for assembling Mideast coalitions to recognize and embrace Israel's holy covenant, bringing about a short time of tranquility, peace, and safety. The full incarnation of the serpent's seed, Genesis 3.15, happens in conjunction with the resurrection of the mortally wounded beast and... This happens in conjunction with Michael's eviction of the serpent, of Satan, from the heavens. Listen to Revelation chapter 17, verse 8. The beast, the beast that you saw and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. The beast who was alive and well, and is mortally wounded, dead, and yet he's alive again. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. The great paradox here is that all heaven rejoices with the removal of Satan, even though it means the beginning of the earth's greatest time of woe. Matthew 24, 21. For then, then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. But for the church, the church that's in prayer, the intercession and travail, there comes a mighty breakthrough of corporate power in fullness, not seen since Pentecost. Remember the verse? Now salvation. Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of its Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. The clearing of the heavens opens the church to the fullness of the revelation, the full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's going to be this collision at the end of the age of the gospel Uh, of the mystery of the gospel and the mystery of iniquity. And the church is going to be part of that collision at the end. The once apostolic church will once again become apostolic. Here's how Paul puts it in Ephesians 3.8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace has been given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone 
What is the plan of the, the mystery, the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church, its wisdom, its intercession, its travail, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Those are the rulers, the principalities, the powers, the thrones, the authorities. All those in the cosmic realm, the church is going to make known the wisdom of God. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, we must know, understand, and embrace this inseparable relationship between intercessory prayer, prophetic revelation in the set times of God, and the church's final victory over Satan. And I might add, that awareness comes through much tribulation. So whether the church realizes it or not, to pray, Thy kingdom come, is a very costly prayer indeed. So let's pray it. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, that's a costly prayer indeed on the front end. But Father, a prayer that will ultimately provide us with wisdom, knowledge, understanding, furnish supernatural insight and strategies in what will be the most glorious season season for your church. Travail that reaches your ears, and in turn, the angels are ordered to hurl back to the earth. Answers for the saints. Lord, what a marvelous plan. We ask you to imprint these words and scriptures shared today that that they might be food in due season for the hearers. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I would encourage you to like the podcasts and share. That's not for my benefit. But share them with friends and on Facebook and other social media and, and provide a rating and review. We want, we want these teachings to go far and wide. The church is asking questions. People are asking questions. And we're trying, in the grace of God, to provide the answers by means of God's holy scriptures. God bless each and every one of you. I'm Bill Nordstrom. And Maranatha! <laughs>